So this is the season when college students transition from the academic year of learning to graduation or summer jobs or summer classes. And I see some uh, returning college students among us uh, here this morning. That's what's been going on in my family at my house as three of my four daughters recently finished up their year of learning. Our oldest daughter, Mary Catherine, graduated a week ago yesterday from uh, college at the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg in a very damp and very chilly outdoor commencement ceremony where it was squish, squish, squish wherever you walked outside in the, in the uh, damp and the chill. So that means now I have two children who are in college, right? Not for long, not for long, because our youngest daughter, Sarah, will be graduating from high school next month, and she plans to join her twin sisters, Caroline and Joanna, at Virginia Commonwealth University down there in Richmond. As I'm often uh, telling people, uh, my children and my money go south on I-95. <laughs> So anyway, it's, it's all good. But if you are at all familiar with the area in Richmond around the Monroe Park campus of VCU, smack dab in the middle of it is the Cathedral of the Sacred Heart. This is a beautiful Italian Renaissance revival structure. It was dedicated uh, over 100 years ago on Thanksgiving Day in the year 1906. And it's on the national and state registries of historic landmarks. And engraved in stone over the central doors up on the portico are the words of Jesus from the opening verse of today's gospel lesson. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Following Jesus' call to his disciples of every age to keep his commandments is Jesus' promise, which we heard. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. It is this promise of Jesus to send another helper, the spirit of truth that we focus on today, doing so under the theme, the promise. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Our risen Savior here in this gospel reading points us ahead to the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And we will celebrate that in two weeks' time, Saturday and Sunday, June 3rd and 4th. And I encourage you to be present for worship that weekend. Remember to wear red. That is the color of the fire and power of the Holy Spirit. We've got some wonderful things planned for worship that weekend. Pentecost brings the Easter season to a close. Pentecost Sunday, it is the 50th and final day of the Easter season. And through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the redeeming work of Jesus continues on to this very day. 
as the Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in this one true faith. Those words of Luther from his explanation of the third article of the creed, that is Jesus' promise to you and to followers of every time and place. Truth is, all of God's promises find their fulfillment in Jesus. They find their yea and amen in this crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We see in today's gospel reading reference to all three persons of the Holy Trinity. Did you catch that? We've got the Father, we've got the Son, we've got the Holy Spirit all mentioned there. And all three persons of the Trinity work together in this seamless relationship of harmony and love. This is the triune God whom we worship and serve. My mother and father-in-law were in town for our oldest daughter's um, graduation last Saturday, and they returned home uh, earlier this week. And I was the uh, designated driver to do the airport run. So Tuesday morning, luggage in hand and boarding passes printed out, we trekked off to Reagan National. They started their preparations for departure the day before. You know how that works, right? I mean, I guess you can wait until, uh, you know, a half hour before you go out the door and throw everything into a bag and hope for the best, but we end up forgetting stuff, don't we? Sure. So we start more methodically thinking of what do I need to take with me as we plan and we pack our suitcases, making sure everything is ready. Jesus is preparing for his departure which is imminent. And we'll celebrate that in worship on Thursday of this week, May 25th. It's Ascension Day, when 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. We'll celebrate that in an evening service of Holy Communion. I encourage you and invite you to come and be present for this special day. Truthfully, though, Jesus is really preparing his disciples for his departure. And that's why he says what he says here, to help them be ready for that day when Jesus would withdraw his earthly physical presence and they would see him no more. But he promises he will not abandon them. He will not leave them as orphans. I learned something this past week. We had our monthly circuit pastors conference out in Winchester at our Savior Lutheran Church and our host pastor uh, in the homily which he had prepared uh, spoke about how under Roman law in extreme circumstances a parent could legally disown their child. 
I know some of you may have wondered about that from time to time, but uh, in Rome you really could do it, but it had to be for a, a very good reason. However, under that same Roman law, a child, let's say an orphan who had been legally adopted, could never be disowned by parents. That adoption was final and it was forever. And that is good news for you and me as we consider our own adoption as God's beloved sons and daughters accomplished through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, conveyed to us through the cleansing waters of holy baptism, our adoption is final and it is forever in Jesus. That primal fear of being forgotten, of being abandoned, of being an orphan, Jesus addresses here, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And Jesus does come to us right here and now. He comes to us in his life-giving word, that gospel word of forgiveness and salvation that bestows on us peace which passes all understanding. Jesus comes to us in those cleansing waters of holy baptism where we are marked with the cross of Christ, where we are sealed by the Holy Spirit for life eternal. Jesus comes to us at the table which he has prepared, where he is host and we are guests. And he gives his very body and blood under bread and wine to strengthen us in faith toward God, in love toward one another. Jesus comes to reassure us that he truly is with us always, no matter what, even to the end of the world, and that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That is Jesus' promise. So having this certainty, this confident hope, this promise of Jesus, we are now set free to keep Jesus' commandments. It's not a got to, it's a get to. It's not some heavy, onerous burden that sucks the joy out of life, not at all. It is a great blessing to keep Jesus' commandments because we know they are the way of life and salvation. He tells us, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Think back to God's covenant with his people of old on Mount Sinai after they'd come out of slavery in Egypt and God was establishing them as his chosen people and that covenant was 
ratified there at Sinai, all of the thou shalts, all of the thou shalt nots, all of the code of Mosaic law there, 613 of them, of which we are familiar with the Ten Commandments. Jesus boils all of these commandments down to two. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. This is our calling in Christ. We do as Christ commands, knowing that our keeping of his commandments, well, it's going to be imperfect at best, right? This side of heaven, we will always struggle with sin and temptation that's continually trying to get the upper hand in our life. But our hope is in Jesus, who has defeated sin and temptation. Our hope is in Jesus, who for our sake has kept all of those commandments perfectly, because we could not. Our hope is in Jesus, who has laid down his life for us all. Even after his ascension, Jesus promises to be with his children in a new and profound way through another helper, as he says. Jesus' physical earthly presence on this earth was limited. Only a certain number of people could get close to him, could get near to him. Not so with the one who is to come. That word helper in the gospel lesson for today, it's translated from the original word parakletos, where we get a very little used and perhaps unfamiliar word in English, paraclete. Don't hear that too often, do we? Paraclete. It means a advocate or a helper, but the original word is a legal term. And it means someone who comes alongside you in a court of law who represents you, who speaks in your behalf. Your defense attorney. <laughs> that is this other helper. That is this spirit of truth who stands beside each child of God and speaks in our behalf before the Father's throne. This is our defense attorney, our advocate, who helps us in our weakness, who intercedes for us with sighs and groanings too deep for words. This is the promise Jesus makes to his dearly loved children. And each one of you is that dearly loved child. This is what Jesus means when he says, yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live through this 
holy helper, through this spirit of truth, this advocate, we do see Jesus. We see him now through the eyes of faith as we walk by faith until that great and final day when we will no longer walk by faith, but we will see him as he is. Brothers and sisters in Christ, until the coming of that day, hold fast to this promise for Jesus' sake. Amen.